Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever it is you're coming from. Thanks for joining. I am super excited to be here for my next episode of Rewarding Conversations, as I am here with Anna Masika. Say hello to the world, Anna. Hi, everyone. That's Anna saying hi to the world. Uh, so this is actually going to be another one of my rambling series, which I'm really excited about. I haven't done one of these in a while. And Anna is a good person to do a rambling series with because, and I and I don't mean this as an insult at all, you can ramble, Anna. Like You can ramble with the best of them. So I appreciate you coming on and doing this. Of course. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Uh, so I met Anna, what, about three years ago, would you say? I met you about three years ago, something like that? Three and a half years ago? Sure. Does that sound yeah, sure. sort of right? Yeah, why not, right? Sense. We'll why go not? with that. With it. Um, and Anna, you live in Cleveland, right? I live in Cleveland. So when I say you live in Cleveland, I mean you live in Cleveland. Like a lot of people, like I grew up outside of Philly, and I would always be like, oh, where do you? Where are you from? Philly. But you live in the city of Cleveland, right? I live in the city of Cleveland, Ohio. I used to live downtown. I moved, though. Oh, where did you move? I'm on the west. I mean, side not now. not your exact address. Like, we don't need that yeah, going um, I on. I actually but... live on. No, I moved on to the west side. I moved into a house with two of my good friends. So I went from living alone downtown to living in a house with two of my. Okay, so tell me, how was that trend? Like, is it back to college style feeling of like living in a house with friends, or or have you all kind of become <laughs> quote more adultish? Because you were 25 now. I know that. Uh, so do you, what, what is that difference like for you? Like what you're doing right now compared to like what it was in college, obviously, uh, you know, there is a difference, but like, does that, does that feel different or does it sort of feel similar? Um, okay. So I always told people that like the next time I moved in with someone, I would, it would have to be like my significant other, because I don't think I could ever have roommates again. And then I impulsively decided to move into this house with two guys. Um, and I say that because I've only ever lived with female roommates before, which is interesting. And um, for those listening, I identify as a female. So, like, you know, it's a, it is definitely a, a switch moving in with, with two males. Um, so I was really nervous about that, to be honest. But it's been cool because I think, yeah, you're right. I think we have, like, we are kind of a, a more adultish than we were in college. But also, like, we still love to have, like, throw parties at our house and, like, have a good time. And, like, it's kind of nice because it keeps me busy and keeps humans around. Like, I'm home alone all week and it's... Not as fun without them here. It's quiet. Just me and we got some mice. So it's me and the mice. You and the mice hanging out. I like yeah. that. So when you say that you're home alone all week, uh, that is because you work. Do you work from home or do you work in an office? I work from home. I'm off all week, but I work from home. Okay. Work so you, you work remote. Now, how how does that change the feel of when you're, quote, off? Do, does it still give you that feeling of like, oh, I'm not in the office anymore? Or is it like, well my physical day-to-day -day hasn't changed because you're still just home. So does that change the feel at all? Or is it still like, I'm not doing any work whatsoever and this feels great? Um, it feels like I'm not doing any work whatsoever and it's great. I'm the type of person that when I'm off of work, I turn off all notifications on my phone. I hide my work computer. I like get work out of my mind. Um, yeah. So it feels completely different to me, which is so nice. Yeah. So, you know, your your other two roommates are out most of the day there you're you're still you're home by yourself what is what does your day look like now when you're off like what are you what are you up to what do you do during the day i've been reading a lot which is so nice and so wonderfully fun um i've been just running all of the odds and ends errands that i needed to do for all of my life i realized as an adult that vacation is not as much of a vacation it's like a get all the stuff done that you don't do day to day because you have a job which yeah. is great <laughs> But not as fun. But also, I think if I was sitting around the house all day doing nothing, I would be going crazy. 
kind of a kind of a catch twenty two, if you will. Yeah. Like like you want to just sit around and not do anything in theory, and then you do that, and you're like, well, I wasted the day. But then you spend your time doing stuff, and you're like, well, that wasn't a day off. Exactly. So you you got to balance it. I saw something recently about like intentional rest. And I've been trying, yeah. I've been saying that's what I'm trying to do this week. Like not really make any plans, not really like go out of my way to keep myself busy, but like, um, like find things to intentionally do that don't involve much exertion, which is nice. Like read it on my couch. So what are you currently reading right now, Anna Masika? Um, I'm currently, I'm about to start that book, Normal People, that I've heard is wonderful. Um, I do this thing. I've been doing this thing this year. I've been getting into like the wonderful just like rom-com fiction books that are written. There's lots of them that have gone popular this year. And so I've done this thing where I read like a semi-serious book and then I read one of those and I kind of like bounce back and forth. So the last book I read was like a rom-com-esque type book. Nothing too crazy, just like light, airy fun. It was called Red, White, and Royal Blue. Would you recommend yeah. to readers out there? It was great. It was a great what, what little lighthearted you, What would book. you give it out of 10? What do you give it out of 10? Um, well, no. Have you ever used Goodreads? Yes. Yes, I have. Okay. So out of five, I gave it, I think, a four out of five on Goodreads. That's a pretty now good I wanna, review. I mean, for again, for what it is, you know what you're walking into. It's a nice little fiction rom-com. There's, You know what's going to happen. It's nothing too crazy. This one was interesting because it was about two males, which is not typically what they're written about, which is why I liked it. Um, but yeah, I gave it a, uh, uh, I think a four out of five. Now that's interesting because I totally agree with you. Um, I'm, so I don't read much, but people out there know I'm a big movie geek. Um, and for me, when you go into a book or a movie or whatever it is, if you know exactly what you're going to get and you're expecting what you're going to, and you get exactly that, you can't complain, right? No. Like if you, if you watch a rom-com or read a rom-com, you know what's going to happen. Two people are going to meet. There's going to be some sort of turmoil that's going to break them apart. And then they're going to come back together at the end. That's exactly what's going to happen. And right? there's all the fun, like, ro- like with rom-coms particularly, there's so many tropes that like, you know, are yeah. going to play themselves out. And I like, love it. Again, yeah. it, it was perfect for the holidays. I was able to just kind of breeze through it and read it. And it was lovely. it's interesting because perception plays a big role like if something is marketed as a rom-com and that's what happens you're like oh this is nice because i know what i'm signing up for but if it were to say look at this dramatic book about a couple's life and you're like oh okay and then you get what you get you would be like mad because it's like that's not what i expected that's not what i wanted you know exactly Um, so for me that's been movies lately um my my wife and i just came back from vegas and on the plane, I downloaded a bunch of movies to watch. You know, you put your phone in airplane mode, you watch movies. And I watched some that were really good. And I watched some that I did not like at all. And then I watched some that were just fun things that I could have. I watched Starsky and Hutch, which was hilarious oh, yeah. to me. I watched Starship Troopers, such a go-to just zone out movie. But then I also watched Tick, Tick, Boom with Andrew Garfield. And I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. I loved it. Um, It is based for people out there that don't know. I strongly recommend it. It is on Netflix. It's a Netflix original, Tick, Tick, Boom. It is about the life of Jonathan Larson, uh, who wrote uh, Rent. And it's about kind of just his process of figuring out the story and and kind of realizing you need to write what's around you. And it is (laughs) like a musical. And Andrew Garfield learned how to sing and play the piano for the film. And that was really, really good. Well, it's his musical. It's his one-person musical he wrote while that he wrote right before he yeah. wrote. Like you get into the intricacies of it, and it's really freaking confusing, but in a really cool way. 
Yeah, what's interesting? I was interesting, really impressed by it. Yeah, I know people that knew more about Rent and Jonathan Larson and stuff than me, and they were able to identify more things in the film that they recognize yeah. and they understood than me. Uh, now, I'm a huge Broadway fan. I love it, but I'm just not as I've seen Rent, but I'm not like super into Jonathan Larson and Rent and everything. But other people that have seen it, they knew, you know, little little Easter egg things that were left behind. Yeah. I was just all about the Lin-Manuel Miranda stuff, like him being the cook in the kitchen and cast members from like In the Heights and Hamilton and stuff appearing in the movie, which I thought was just so cool. Uh, And then I watched another one, which I was really excited about and incredibly disappointed, which was Don't Look Up, the one with Jennifer Lawrence and DiCaprio. Yep. That movie is like two hours and 40 minutes, which there is there is zero reason it needs to be that long i feel like it's that long because of how many famous people are in it and trying to fit everybody into to get them screen time i mean the one thing i loved was meryl streep as the villain of the film the president of the united states which was she's the best thing to watch jonah hill was really great was really good jonah hill was so good as her son slash chief of staff and he is just I mean, like, one of the worst humans ever. Jonah uh, plays that character really... Like, he plays that just, like... Yeah. Can I Can I swear? Yes, you can swear. Well, I was gonna say, like, he plays that, like, asshole, just, yeah. like, better than you, whatever type of guy so Perfect. well, which is so funny because I feel like he doesn't... That's not who he is as a human. I feel like yeah, he's probably just, yeah. like, such a nice guy. Yeah, he he's just super plays that chill. character so well in all of yeah. his movies that he's in. Yeah, very arrogant, very I'm better than you. Yeah. Um, and it's... And he plays that out well. So it, so for everybody out there listening, Don't Look Up has an incredible cast of Jennifer Lawrence and Leonardo DiCaprio and Jonah Hill and Mark Rylance and Meryl Streep. And it's just an amazing cast. And the movie does not work for me at all. It is way too long. Uh, when, <clears throat> spoiler alert, when the giant like asteroid comet is like preparing to hit Earth, there's still like 45 minutes left in the movie. And I'm like, what are they going to do for 40? 40- I was shocked by that. It's going to hit today, like this day. And there's 45 minutes left in the movie. And it just drags on and on and on. And what was frustrating is there are so many little moments in this movie that I really, really liked. Little moments. Everything with Jonah Hill, everything with Meryl Streep I really liked. But there's so many things that just didn't connect with me. I was so sick of Kate Blanchett and um, who was the other guy, the um, news the uh, news recorders, uh, uh, Tyler Perry, Tyler, Tyler Perry, Perry yeah. and Kate Blanchett. I was so sick of that. And I get the commentary of like, well, news is all about just flash and whatever. But like, it was over and over and over. And it was like, I get it. Leonardo DiCaprio is this shy and quiet guy, and then he's going to become this guy, and then he's going to get back with the... Like, nothing was surprising to me about it. The only thing that was really surprising was, like, the after... Did you watch the post credit scene? Yeah. Yeah. That was the only thing that I was like, oh, this is cool. Uh, and then I liked, and Meryl Streep's tattoos. Did you watch both post credit scenes? <laughs> yes, I, I did watch both, yeah. I was trying to explain this to my parents. I said, Marvel has set me up that I don't walk away from a movie until truly the last second has ended. And they're like, no, 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 like there's not going to, I was like, I promise you there is a second post credit scene that's going to happen right at the end. I was like, Marvel's just ruined me. Like it's, it's what you got to do. And they're like, we're yeah. going to watch this whole thing. And we were watching it on Netflix. So I was like, no, I'll fast forward. So I fast forwarded through all the credits and then we got to the last scene, but I knew it was there. I knew it was going to be so, there. So speaking of Marvel ruining you, did you see Spider-Man? Ruined me. Ruined. So, okay, so my birthday was the 17th, right? So, Happy Spider-Man, birthday. Thank you. 
Spider-Man is my favorite superhero, has always Me been too. my favorite superhero too. of all yeah. times, right? So, yeah. you know, how you have like your golden birthday, like my birthday is the 17th. My 17th year was my golden birthday, right? It's okay, the year yeah. that like when you turned your age, whatever. I said that my true golden birthday, because 17, not a great year. My true golden birthday was this year because Spider-Man came out. Technically, it came out on the 17th, which was my birthday, which is like, and it was because I knew what the Spider-Man was, I was so excited because I was like, this is me in a nutshell. So that's all to say I did see there was a legitimate like 1130 showing the day, like the 16th, whatever. And I did see that showing and it was wonderful. And I accidentally saw it in 3D, but it was also wonderful in 3D. Oh, okay. I not feel like big, if you're like if you're gonna, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of 3D in general, but occasionally <laughs> it works. I'm not either. But what I liked about this was it wasn't like things popping out at you. It just kind of added like another dimension to it. Yeah. Like it just like added some depth and stuff, which was not that bad. So the tickets were accidentally bought for it. We didn't realize that at first. But uh, yeah, no, that ruined me. I want to watch it again. I haven't seen it again. I do too. I want to. So also again, so long. Spoiler alert. Um, We're going to get into real quick some detail about Spider-Man because I just have to get your thoughts. So this is spoiler alert for Spider-Man. If you haven't seen it, stop listening for the next couple minutes or skip ahead. Um, did you lose your mind when you saw Garfield come through and then Tobey Maguire come through? Because I lost it. That I grew up with those movies. I like that was my childhood. You know, that's what I grew up with. And when I saw you know you see him walking and then he takes off and you see andrew garfield i was like oh my god and then you see toby mcguire come through and i was like what is happening right now like i lost um i was a huge fan i was so excited i mean it was funny my one roommate i was saying this like the weeks leading up were like it's so funny that they're still trying to say in interviews that they're not going to be in this movie because andrew garfield yeah he's like i'm not in it i'm sorry to disappoint you guys and we're like, okay, yeah, no, that's not possible. Um, so that was so exciting. Andrew Garfield is my, like, he is the reason I love Spider-Man. So, like, I was so excited. To see, like, I stand by it. People don't love this opinion. I don't think, I think Tommy Maguire might be the worst Spider-Man. I stand by it. I'll say it. I'll be okay with that. But. Yeah, that's interesting. That is a hot that take. That said, it is a hot take. But I think it's because Andrew Garfield was the one that I grew up with. And I love Tom Holland. I think he does very well just playing, like, the innocent child side of spider-man and so to that like you gotta rank him last i'm sorry toby um but all that's to say i loved how they pulled all three of them in and like there was a scene there's like a a very split second where they reacted interacted like that meme of all the spider-mans like shooting guns at each other and i flipped out i was like this is so funny to me yeah it was also funny that they like they kind of like played into all of the tropes of the old Spider-Man yep. and they like made sure that like things that people didn't like about them were like blatantly talked about. And like, things, yeah. like I loved how like they pulled Tobey Maguire in and he was like the old guy now, like he's really yeah. aged and like, like yeah. it was just funny. Like they, the interactions between the three of them were like one of my favorite things about it. And I said, I want to get like the screenshot of the three of them hugging after the big fight. Like yeah. I want that photo just somewhere in my yeah. home because I love it so much. Yeah, one of my the, probably the moment that I geek the hardest with is, and I said this before we went to the film. I was like, if the three of them are in it together, I want to see each one of them do their own Spider-Man landing because Tobey Maguire does the one where his feet are together, and Andrew Garfield does it where his hands are apart like this, and uh, Tom Holland does it where his one leg is stretched out and his other leg is bent, and when they each came out together when they decided to work as a team and they landed on the statue of liberty each one of them landed 
the way that their Spider-Man landed. I didn't realize that. Oh my gosh. Those are the things that I think I would realize again. Like when when that happened in the theater, like I, when they were like, let's go as a team and they were swinging. And at one point, like Tobey Maguire webs into the two of them and throws them, which was so cool because the Spider-Man stuff have done that before, but each one of them lands in their own particular way. I, in the theater was like, I'm going to start crying like this. (laughs) I felt very overwhelmed getting back to the ranking real quick. I think the best Spider-Man, the actual best Peter Parker slash Spider-Man for me is Tom Holland. I think he is the best representation of Spider-Man. For me, though, what puts Tobey Maguire above Andrew Garfield for me is that Spider-Man 2, for the longest time, where he faces Doc Ock, Alfred Molina's Doc Ock, for the longest time, that was my favorite superhero movie ever. So I just have him so ingrained in my favorite film. Um, and to be perfectly honest, like I, I actually really liked uh, Andrew Garfield's suits. I liked the, that kind of origin of how he built it. I liked the look of it. I liked his kind of story, but I thought his villains were really weak overall. Jamie Foxx was completely misused as Electro, the way they made him look. Like they took the Jamie Foxx out of the character. Lizard, Dr. Kurt Connors, he's supposed to have this really deep connection with that character. He didn't really have that. Harry as the goblin shows up for like literally 30 seconds and gets defeated. Um, I, I just really didn't like Andrew Garfield's villains. And for me, that took a lot away from it. Um, I would say I agree with that. I stand by that. I would also say in this movie, William Defoe just like. Oh, my gosh. Was incredible. He was amazing. I mean, he, he always th- is. Is that like that character is so complex and he does yeah. it so well. But like. <sighs> He was, was so no, impressed. he was absolutely incredible because when he goes into evil mode, that smile he gets on his face, like you would think that should be a CG prosthetic smile. That's him. That's just it's Willem him. Dafoe. Um, but then when he's, you know, when he's Norman Osborn, like the good guy, he's like, what did I do? What have I done? I'm sorry. Like, help me, help me defeat this. Like, help me get the, but when he's like the goblin, he is a lunatic that doesn't care about anything. His whole persona changes. Yeah. And like you're right, he like you would think that that was CGI'd or something. It's just him doing it. Yeah, it's also, really incredible. You said that and I realized I didn't realize his name was Willem Dafoe. Yeah, W I L L E M. E M. Willem. I, should, I feel like I should know that, but I don't know. I feel like you should know that too, but I'll forgive you. Um it's okay. But it was a it was myself. a phenomenal film. I loved it. I'm so so excited. I cried and now and a lot. I, I did too. Oh yeah, 100% I did. Um and and now because of that, there's all this talk about people saying, we want more of this. Give us more Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield. Like, like give us more of this, which I would be 100% on board with. You, the movies would make a kajillion dollars. I just hope that they would be done well. But it would be cool to see, like, okay, they went back to their worlds. Like, what happened in that moment? Like, what happened when Andrew Garfield went back to his world? What happened when... Um, you know, Tobey Maguire goes back to his world. Like, I would love to see kind of what happens after they go back. Um, yeah. Or to the villains. Like, I want to see what happens to the villains, too, which is really interesting. Um, but the the word on the street is that Tom Holland has just signed on to do three more. At least three more. He did? Yeah. Because that was my concern. Like, they wrote it in a way that they could have written him out of the MCU at that point. I knew yeah, they he... probably weren't going to. Because I also yeah. have this... I... My conspiracy theory with spider-man that i am leaning into and running with for the rest of my life until it happens is that um oh god what's his name the um um um, 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 the kid that plays like his best friend what's his name in real life yeah but uh jacob allen yeah is gonna become um the goblin hmm. yes 
I stand by it. Because this sounds so dumb and superficial, but the kid's got in like in shape. He looks great. He looks really good. From the yeah. last movie to this movie. And the only reason I say that that is intentional is because when you are under contract with Marvel, there is not a single thing you do in your life that is unintentional. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would find it hard to believe that he, while in contract with Marvel, like got that in shape for no reason. Yeah. Again, I hope maybe he did. Maybe he's just good for him. Regardless, good for him. He looks great. He's doing great. I just don't believe that anything done under a Marvel contract is done unintentionally. Yeah. I mean, that has proven true historically because you'll see actors grow out their hair or get in really good shape or something like that. Like, you know, um, Jared Leto had gained back normal amounts of weight after he played the Joker and he just looked like a normal person again. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, he was ripped beyond words. And you're like, wait, this isn't an accident. And then you find out he's playing Morbius, like the, the living vampire. And in the trailer, he's just so jacked. And you're like, oh, okay, that's why. Because he came under contract for that and he got in ridiculously good shape. Like nothing's an I mean. accident. Yeah, nothing's no. an accident. And again, regardless for him, like, he looks great. I'm happy for him. He lost, like, over 100 pounds. Like, he's doing he's, great. He's 50. Jared Leto is 50. That's oh, ridiculous. Jared Leto. Jared yeah. Leto's insane. I'm 50. intrigued to see how Dr. Morbius is going to be. Yeah, I am too. Um, Because that's a strange character to do because he's literally a living vampire. Like, it's a very – you know, how do you how do you make it believable that somebody has – you know, uh, he can fly and he can do all the like, how do you make that believable? You know, he doesn't use a contraption to fly or he doesn't use magic. It's like this weird thing that happens to his blood and his body changes. And but the trailers look really good because he and he kind of rides that line between like anti-hero and villain. Like his character does some really villainous things like in, in his story, but he also does really kind of like heroic things too. So he really rides that line as like an anti-hero almost. Those are my favorite. Yeah. The like it's it goes back to like the I'm a huge Harry Potter nerd and it goes back to like the Snape, like is he good, is he evil? I just like yeah. love having those characters where you bounce back and forth, like you have so much empathy for them, but they're also like horrible humans. Yeah. But they Did also you... like not. <laughs> Did you read the books? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've read them all like, what, six times each, probably seven times, something like that. So I've had multiple conversations with people that have read the books and seen the films. I have only seen the films. So I have a very kind of particular point of view. What did you think in the comparison between the books and the films of the Harry Potter series? So for everybody out there, once again, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen or you're one of those seven people that doesn't know anything about Harry Potter. Yeah, enjoy that. But this is a spoiler alert. Um, But what did you think in the comparison between the books and the films? I mean, I love, I'm a big fan of the films. I will always love them so much yeah. because that's what I started with, was watching them, right? Because they started coming out when I was like still pretty young. I remember like my family went to go see, I want to say it was the third movie in theaters and they wouldn't let me see it because they were like, this will scare you because I was too young, right? So in that perspective, I love the movies. I will always love the movies. There's so many cool plot lines that happen within the books that never get translated over to the movies that... This is a very dramatic way to say this, and I don't mean this entirely how I'm saying it, but, like, it almost feels like sometimes there are a little bit of different stories. Oh, okay. Interesting. But, like, again, that's a dramatic way to say it. It's not to the point where, like, they truly are that different, but there are just different plot points that are brought up in the books that aren't always brought up in the movies. And, like, some of the ways that things are described and, like, I think it's translated very well. Yeah. But I also just think, of course, with most any big series like that, there are going to be things that are missing, right? Like... 
Um, all that said, like, like the sixth book is one of my favorite books. The sixth movie is, I think, a terrible movie. So, what, like, which one I is also that? Uh, Half Blood Prince. Oh, which is the second. In the movies, it's the third to last one, but it's like the second to last storyline, right? So I'm glad you said that. My least favorite movie is The Half-Blood Prince. I mm-hmm. I keep saying throughout that, I've always said nothing happens in that movie. Nothing it's a setup for the happens movie. in that movie. My favorite movie, and I talked to Brandon um, about this, one of my coworkers, Brandon, um, who I am starting a podcast with everybody. Um, oh but gosh. yeah, yeah. So, um, but but my favorite movie is Order of the Phoenix. That is my absolute favorite movie. And he said that's really interesting. He said because a lot of fans of the series actually don't like that movie much. And and then I've talked to him and said, oh, yeah, fans really – a lot of fans really like The Half-Blood Prince. I'm like, that's the most boring movie in the whole series. Nothing happens. That's – the Order of the Phoenix book is actually my favorite. It's also the longest by far. It's insanely long. Oh, really? Which is, okay. I think, why – it's like 800 pages, 600 pages, something insane. Let me – I want to. I want to. You gonna? Are you gonna be my? Knowledge. Are you gonna be a researcher in this? And I'm gonna be. So Anna, um, Anna is currently looking up how long Order of the Phoenix is the book. Let's see if she was even remotely many, accurate. Seven hundred and sixty-six. Yeah, close to eight hundred. You said between six and eight. That's not bad. I would say that is in between six and eight. Um, but that's so a lot of that like it just wasn't all translated. Again, it wasn't translated over to the movies, right? So yeah, I would stand by. That's probably my favorite book. I would say Prisoner of Azkaban is my favorite movie. Okay, yeah, that's a good one. Um, so that's like the book. I have a different favorite book and movie, which is like to me, again, how they're translated from the book to the movie, I think makes a difference. Yeah. And like, yeah. if they were translated perfectly, my favorite movie would probably be the same as my favorite book, right? So, Prisoner, Prisoner um, of Azkaban, they start to get really dark. Like, like the movies start to really take a turn into darkness. But you know what? I think that's why that is my favorite because I, again, I love this whole mindset of like, I empathize with. Like, it stops becoming just this fairy tale of, like, oh, this is so, like, everything's so mystical and cool. And it's like, okay, there's a lot of darkness and light in between all of these characters. And how do we balance that? And how do we realize who is who and all these things? Real world um, consequences. So to to flip it to one of my favorite shows, which is about to come back out, and I'm so excited. If you ever watch Euphoria, are you a Euphoria fan? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she's amazing, isn't I? The cast, the whole cast is amazing. The whole cast. And again, that's like one of my favorite shows for the reason that like I hate so many of those people in that show because they are such terrible humans. But then you see this side of them. Like Jacob Elordi's character, he's the – I can't think what his name is in the show, but he's like the football player. He's this like hyper-masculine, like very – The jock. Yeah, very toxic male character, right? But then you see the side of him and you see how he was raised and you see his family structure and you see these things. And like, even though he is the villain of the story, you still empathize so heavily with the fact that like he is a kid and he has been brought up in a tough scenario too. And like, how do you just like play all this together? So like, that's all to say all of my favorite TV series, movies, all of that has at least like one character that's just like, that fights that line between good and evil. And I like love that so much. I love that so much. Yeah, I mean, another another show that comes to mind that did that, I, I think, in a really amazing way is Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. And this, I think it was, yeah, this past season of Stranger Things, um, a really good actor. So Max is one of the new, she's part of the new, she's the new person in the group. And her brother, sure. Billy, Billy was just a horrific person. Like, very racist, very sexist, very, like... 
beat up little kids and you just he's the villain of that season except for the big bad kind of lurking and he gets inhabited by this creature and blah 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 but he's just a bad dude and then very similar you see how he's raised extremely abusive his father is very very cruel to him his father talks down to women his father is very abusive so it's the environment he was raised in and then you find out once again spoiler alert out there um if you haven't seen stranger things get over it watch it um but this moment you have when you realize that he had a really beautiful relationship with his mother and his mother was extremely loving and very kind and very supportive and encouraging and he lost his mother at a young age and you know he's very hurt and he's very damaged and then he goes to be with his father who's extremely abusive and like and you you understand why this kid is a bad dude and then at the very end of the last of the last episode he does the most heroic thing in the whole season and sacrifices himself for the group and and it's like he was able to redeem himself because Mm -hmm. you know he he decided he didn't want to be what his father was he decided that it wasn't okay to do what he was doing and it's really interesting when you have these characters that you you just kind of despise and you hate them and then you see this oh this is the reason why they're they're this way um and sometimes when things are done like that in shows and movies it's really like kind of stereotypical and doesn't make any sense and is aggravating and sometimes it's really beautiful and totally can like redeem a character which is well, I think, I think all about writing exactly and i think like in the best ones it's done so subtly in the sense that like it is just truly it, i mean not to be like completely existential on it but it is just truly how humans are like yeah again i look at like jacob lordy's character in euphoria as like one of my like prime examples of this because it's just like he does some really shitty things that aren't like obnoxiously shitty to the point where you're like oh this was so aggressively written but he also does some very like he has this like sweet side to him that comes out and again very subtly so like yeah and it's just like it is truly just the like it's so easy in TV shows and movies and everything to just like romanticize so many different pieces of life. But it's really cool when there is someone who's written that is just like truly a human. Yeah. Like they have their demons, they have their shit going on and like, they are objectively not a good person, but like, it's always a reminder that like, there's something else there. And like, no person is just a shitty person because that's who they are. Like there is something that led them to that point. Right. Yeah. That whole nature versus nurture, you know, um, that people just aren't, people are inherently good and they can be molded and formed for something bad to be kind of in them and i you know i i tend to believe that in people i like to try to believe in the best of people but also i'm such like a black and white person um when it comes to like people like i guess now at the age that i'm at i'm just about to turn 36 if if somebody is toxic if somebody is negative somebody is bad i don't have time for it i just don't I will move on very, very yep. quickly. Even people that I've known for a while, if they are now a toxic person, if they're now a negative person, if they're now like a bad, if they've gone through some sort of change, I'll just move on. Like, I just don't have time for that, which is why I tell people now, a lot of people say, oh, you're really outgoing. Like, you know, a lot of friends. And below. I'm like, no, I have like seven friends and I have like 50 acquaintances. And that's yeah. how I kind of like form it now because I view friends as the people that you intentionally want to spend your time with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's kind of how I categorize friendship. Um, I always say like being still so newly out of college, I say that one of my favorite things about like adult life is you get to intentionally choose who's in it. Yeah. Um, and I love that. Like if you don't want to see someone, you just truly don't have to, and you, you can make to. decisions and like, 
put yourself in situations or take yourself out of situations to be around someone or not be around them. Right. Um, and I love being able to just truly intentionally choose like who is around my, who's around me and like who I care to spend my time with. And it just makes life so much more life giving. Like my life is so much better now than I think it has ever been because I can choose who is in it. Right. Um, it's one of my favorite things. It all looks great. When you were, when you were in college, um, now, I mean, you've always been, you know, you have a voice, you're an outspoken person. You're not quiet. I wouldn't describe Anna as quiet. Um, but when you were in college, did you have a lot of that of just, you know, Oh, I'm going to hang out with this group of people and they're inviting people that I don't really like, but it's like, whatever, this is what we do in college. Well, for sure. But also because I went to, so I went to John Carroll university in Cleveland, which is a school that is, um, what, 12 or 3000 kids. Yeah. 3000. So to speak, let's say. Um, around 3000 kids, which is so small. So I think that also played into it, right? Because there weren't many people that I graduated with, like sitting at graduation, there was maybe one person that walked across the stage that I did not know who that was at least knew of or knew who they were. Right. So it's a lot harder, I think at a smaller campus and that's not a dig to the school. It's just, it's not a dig to anything. It's just when you have less people around, it's a lot easier for circles to just combine and mend and like you cross paths a lot more with people. Right. So it was a lot harder. If I was in a class, it was a class of 20 to 30 people. If there was someone that I didn't like that took the same class as me too bad, I'm going to have to hear their voice every time I'm in class because it's not a lecture hall of 800 kids. You have to like be around those people, whether or not you choose to. Um, And I think I saw it more so in those situations than I did like in let's say friendships and stuff like that. But um, I mean, again, just with less people around, it's bound to happen, right? Yeah. That's the case. Um, and again, that's not a like dig to the school or anything. It's just with a smaller school, that's what's going to happen. You're just going to cross paths a lot. It made for some very fun Monday walks across campus after a wild weekend. It also made for some very um, interesting debates in classes with people who felt very differently than myself. So, you know, positives and negatives to all of it. So you definitely prefer the more intentional adult life of I get to now choose exactly who I want to spend time with. How how has that transition been for you uh, when it comes to like, do you find yourself still wanting to hang with a lot of people or has it become a kind of a very limited amount of people? Well, I think it's it, sometimes like life seems to do that a bit for you. Right. So like I have a few friends that have moved away from Cleveland and have are not around these parts anymore. Um, and i still have the ability to like stay close to them. But then I think the, just the beauty of it is that like life makes those choices. Like people just start to decide to do their own things and someone moves away from Cleveland and you realize like, Oh, maybe we weren't that good of friends after all. Or like maybe our relationship wasn't as close as I thought. And it's like, okay, there you go. That made that decision for you. Um, but I think like, So to that question, I think, yeah, I definitely have a smaller group of people around me, but they're just some of my favorite humans. I've had some of my best memories in the past, like, six months even, let's say, than I probably have in a very long time. So it's just very, um, while it is a smaller group, it's, yeah, again, the word intentional keeps getting tossed around, but it's just much more intentional with who who I, you know, have around me. I was saying there's three types of friendships that you can have. And there's the people who you can't really ever have a serious conversation with. You have lots of fun with, but you can never sit down and just chat about life with, right? There's people that can only have the serious conversations and don't ever know how to just like let loose and like, remember that sure the world is burning and we are all dying, but like 
sometimes it's nice to just get drunk with your friends and forget all of that, right? And just like laugh and have fun and sing songs and do whatever. And then there's those people in between. And like, those are my like core friends. And those are my true friendships of like those people who can sit down and talk with me about some of the, my like hardest things that have happened, but also can like throw on ABBA. And we do this thing at bars where we put a can on the floor and we make people, random strangers dance around it. And like, it is the weirdest thing that we do. And it's so fun. And we have a blast. And like, you just like forget everything in that moment. Right. So like it's those friends that can have both sides of that, that are just like so incredible and so wonderful to keep in your life. And that is what my core group of humans looks like these days, which is cool. I, I've never really thought about it in terms of like those three groups, but I would actually completely concur. I think that's a really good kind of breakdown of friendship because as you were saying that I was thinking about, you know, some of my good friends and there's literally friends that I just have goofy and ridiculous conversations with. And there's people that, you know, when I talk to them, it's always about something serious. It's always about something big in life or, you know, um, you know, this person cheated on this person. I can't get pregnant. Like it's, it's always really big things. And then there's the people that I would absolutely say are the, the best ones where you can have those two in the morning eating Taco Bell heart to heart conversations, or you can have those two in the morning eating Taco Bell playing true American being absolutely ridiculous conversations. Um, and, and, you know, scenarios, it's, it's really funny how you can be, you know, you're more fresh out of college, you know, a few years, but you know, in your mid twenties, I'm in my mid thirties. And to be able to say like, yeah, that's exactly how friendship is. Uh, is an interesting thing because I have somebody who is in their 40s that I know that I would for sure say that they would completely agree with that assessment as well because I've mm-hmm. seen their their types of friends. So that's really interesting that once you get to be a certain age and kind of realize who you are and everything, friendship, I feel like, kind of becomes the same universally. <laughs> like you you choose who you want to spend your time with and how you want to spend it. And like I'm sure, right, like just from you saying that you know – if you're in a particular mood, if you're if you're in a down mood or whatever, you want you know the exact person to reach out to to have that serious conversation with. But if you're in a it's time to cut loose and have fun, you know those people that you're calling, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think like to circle back to, you know, you're asking about the transition to living back with roommates and stuff. I think that's one of the best things about that is the two people that I live with are just truly, truly two of the best people I have ever met. And like, they are those people in that middle where like I can sit down and I have had, they have seen me in a part of my life that is just so unique. I've had a lot of change over the past year and I've changed a lot and I've really started to like dig into who I am as a person. And like, they've heard a lot about that probably to the point you can see how I can ramble. I do that to them to probably to the point where they don't love it, but they're very kind and they listen. (laughs) Um, But they also, like I said, we hosted a while back. I'm looking at, we have photos on our wall right now. We hosted this like pig roast at our house with our fellowship program. And we had a, like a, a, good number of humans here and we literally roasted a pig overnight and we were playing music and had a bar and we were just like having a blast all day and it was one of my favorite memories and like so like we can have those fun times too but we can also sit down and like have those conversations and like to all of that like that's why I think transitions like this are so easy because when you're surrounded by good people it's really great like when you can realize that your life is fulfilled by the humans you have put in it you don't really need much more. Right. Um, and I think everything else is just a bonus. Everyone else that joins your life is just a wonderful addition. And of course brings more to it, but I can sit here and say, honestly, that the humans in my life are people that like, I hope to keep around forever. And also beyond that, like 
I'm good. Like I, I have my people yeah. for things and I feel very confident in that. And like, it's cool to sit here and say those things and to realize that, like I said, everything else is just a wonderful addition. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. That was a, definitely a soapbox there, but, um, I, I think, gonna, but, but yeah. your soapbox, I think is probably the, my favorite thing that you said the whole conversation so far. Um, because I completely agree with it. Um, I had a great time in college. I loved college. I really enjoyed it. Uh, but the best memories of my life have been post-college. They yeah. have been the intentional things I have done with the intentional people that I want to be around. And they have been the real conversations about real stuff. They've been the real genuine laughing until you're crying, you know, super late at night. Uh, they've been the people that you can go to about anything or the people that you say, hey, I have this crazy wild idea. And they go, cool, I'm in. Uh, yeah. You know, those those are the little moments, the adventures, the experiences, the conversations, the laughs that really stick with you. And it's it is really funny to me to think that one day you'll be this age, Anna, uh, where you will be in your mid 30s and you'll think back to college and you'll go, wait, when did we do that? Was that sophomore, junior? I don't yeah. really remember. You like that will creep up on you. And it's very strange. But, you know, these I can remember these amazing moments I've had with people you know, years ago, even, and they're, they're stuck in my brain because I view them in a different way. When you're, when you're out of college and you're an adult and you're in the real world, you, you view things in a different way. Things are more intentional and, and it means something different. So it's cool that you've had some of those experiences already and a pig roast. I mean, pig roast. Co- bacon, 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 lots can't of go. pig in our house. Um, I was talking to someone recently that I had just met and I was telling them, I said this comment of like, in the nicest way possible, I don't need you in my life. I like choose to keep you around. And I feel like that is kind of what I mean by that. Like, like you take a step back and you look and you're like, Oh, all the holes are filled. All of the like things that I need in my life are here. And so it's really also cool to intentionally choose like, Hey, I want you random person to be in my life and be a part of that. Like, I don't need you to be here, but like, I actually choose for you to be here. And I feel like that is a transition. I'm like, that also makes those like new friendships, new conversations, new people in your life so much more meaningful because it's like, no, 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 I'm making the choice to keep you around. I'm making the choice to like build this, whatever it might be with you. And I think that's really cool too. So, um, yeah, adult life is fun. I think I feel like is, such an ignorant child saying that. No, this is this is why I knew rambling would be good with you because uh, you speak your mind and you're honest and you're direct, and I it's something that I've always really valued about you. I never have to wonder or worry about what you are thinking. You no. you put it out there and you tell people exactly what you're thinking, and I think that is a great thing that will serve you very well in your adult life. It's served me very well because it'll quickly filter out the people that can and can't handle it, and if you're being just the most honest version of yourself and people like quote, can't handle it, then you probably shouldn't be around them. And and it's probably not something that you're going to have a successful friendship with anyway. So I always feel like being that kind of honest and direct is the best way to be. Um, I've started hitting that point and, you know, 10 years of therapy later, 11 going on 11, right. You hope that I'd hit this at some point, but like I've hit finally hit that point where like I've looked at, I like, I don't, when people react poorly to things I do, I don't look at it as a reflection of me. I look at it as a reflection of them. Yeah. And like, that is such a cool transitionary period to hit. And like, to actually intent again, intentionally understand that beyond just like telling yourself that is like a really, really cool thing to realize in yourself. It's powerful. Um, it is absolutely a powerful. It took me longer to realize that I was older than you when I realized that. So it took me a little bit longer, but when you actually realize that 
it's not you that needs to change. As long as you're a good person, if, if you're a terrible person, you need to change. But if you're a good person, it's not you that needs to change or it's not even other people that need to change. It's about the right place and the right time and the right circumstances and having the right humans in your life. Yeah. And that's, that's really kind of the key uh, that, I, that I think, you know, matters the most, if you will. Um, so kind of getting into a little bit of the wrap up of this awesome rambling series, which I haven't done in a while. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, uh, the rest, ramble. the rest of the week that you have off, what are you doing? You're reading books. Like what do you, what do you, what are you working on the rest of the week? Um, well, I'm hoping that some of my human friends come around. I'm also trying to be safe and conscious of, you know, the world around me these days because, yeah. uh, COVID is a rambling bitch, but, um, I am hoping that I can see humans that I haven't seen in like weeks and weeks and weeks with holidays around. Um, beyond that, I'm again, just trying to take some time to put my feet up and, you know, not worry too much about the world, which is kind of a nice thing to do. Um, mm -hmm. more easier said than done, which is all to say, I don't really know what my plan is. Um, but I'm going to try and relax and rest a bit and prepare for a new year, I guess. Plan to be surprised. Which is wild. Really crazy, right? Yeah. But also exciting. Uh, any New Year's plans? Well, that's the real question of the hour. I had New Year's plans, but again, COVID. who knows if I, if I want snip, them snip. anymore. Uh, I have a friend who's in a really great band, a Cleveland-based band, Tropodelic. I'll throw out the name there because I, I, I appreciate them. They're so fantastic. They do I will New put Year's it, show. I will put it in the description. Oh, they're wonderful. They are a, I, I don't even want to try and describe it because I'm going to butcher it. And if Rex ever listens to this, he would laugh. Uh, but they are a fantastic band. They do a New Year's show every year. So cool. uh, went to it two years ago, obviously didn't have it last year. This year they're having it, but uh, fingers crossed it is still on uh, and cool. I can safely go. But uh, that's usually what I do because they're fun and we uh, ring in the new year with them and they're a fantastic, fantastic time. So, well, this won't be out in time for new year, uh, but for everybody out there listening, it is the 28th of December right now, but uh, check out the band uh, Tropodelic uh, as, as quoted by Anna Masika as being a great band. So let me know out there if you <laughs> have listened to the band, haven't listened to the band and what your thoughts are of the band. So you can relate to me and then I will give your feedback to Anna if anything comes oh, through. Please. So. <laughs> please and thank you. Because as you can tell from this podcast, Anna has no opinions about anything. So feel free to reach out to her. <laughs> if I'm known for anything, it's not having opinions. Not having opinions. Um, okay, I want to finish up uh, with something that I like to do at the end. I'm going to ask you five questions. And just off the top of your head, give me five answers. Everybody Beautiful. can see out there. Anna is made, made a face of like, okay, here we go. Um, but okay, so question number one, what is your favorite late night snack? Uh, pizza rolls. Pizza rolls. Oh my, nobody said that before. That, that takes me back to high school. All right, I like that. Uh, what is your dream vacation? Um, Anna is struggling right now. I really now. hope that those noises didn't come across. The, those noises um, are absolutely going to come across of Anna's struggle. <laughs> okay, this is a longer answer than, like, dream vacation. I, like, want to go to Greece. I also really want to go to Russia. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're you're allowed well, to say whatever you want in this. Yeah. I know, but that's why that feels like a, a, a I don't know. Well, you no, can just no country hop. Are needed. That's can, my answer. Can, yeah, you can country hop. Uh, no qualifiers. That's what it. is what is something that makes you sad? Um, thinking of losing those in my life that matter to me. What is something that makes you happy? Um, thinking of those in my life that matter to me. 
if you could give your younger self any advice, what would it be? Um, don't take life so seriously. And I think it goes back to what I just said. Remember that when people react poorly to you, chances are it's more of a reflection of them than it is of you. Anna Masika, thank you for doing this. Oh my gosh, Adam, I loved it. This was a lot of fun. Uh, and I, like I said, I knew you would be perfect for this because whenever we do get together, it's pretty much a rambling session anyway. So this just kind of is a natural extension. <laughs> this is just us hanging out and catching up. Yeah, this is just kind of normal. We didn't have to try it. There's no show notes or anything like that. We just started talking, which is really funny. Um, but thank you so much for doing this. I wish you of nothing course. but the best. Enjoy the rest of your week off. Um, and I appreciate you coming on. Of course. Enjoy the rest of your year. Thank you so much. My last couple of days, right? Um, so for everybody out there listening, uh, even though this will come out after New Year's, I hope that you have a great New Year's and enjoy the rest of your year and 2022. I hope it's the best for everybody. Uh, but for those of you out there, if this is your first time here, welcome. If you're a returner, welcome back. And regardless of where you're coming from, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and I'll catch you on the next episode. <laughs>